How are you there? Holly Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about improving your life through creativity so you can grow more real. If you don't know, I am a creative performance coach. I help people to bring more realness into their lives and businesses. That just means that they unblock themselves from whatever is causing them to distort or resist their relationship with the truth so that they can get better results and start moving forward in a way that is more aligned with their true values and intentions. This podcast explores how creativity is a vehicle for doing that because creativity can help us to make the unconscious conscious so we can stop hiding from ourselves, distorting our view of life or resisting our relationship with it. Every episode, I like to interview somebody who is creative and interesting and have something stimulating to say about all this kind of stuff. Today, I'm talking to Brandy Van, who is an expert in intuition and psychic abilities. Actually, you can check out her website to learn more about that. Um, this conversation focuses on the intuition stuff. Uh, Brandy has a really interesting, powerful four-step process for tuning into your intuition and getting the most out of it. Uh, so that you can get better results in life and do the things that you need to do. Uh, we talk about that process in this conversation that's about to come up. So if you want to learn how to do that, then keep on listening. Brandy, thank you so much for your time. Everyone else, thanks for listening. If you get some value from this podcast, please leave a review wherever you're listening to it so that other people can find it. But other than that, hope this is uh, going to give you some value. Here we go. Thanks a bunch. Boom. Oh, hi there, Brandy. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Creative Status. This is going to be a conversation about intuition and various topics related to that. You have some amazing uh, practical steps that people can take in order to be more intuitive in general. So before we get into it, do you feel like introducing yourself, telling people what you're all about, how you ended up doing what you do, and what you want to get out of this conversation as well. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, again, my name is Brandy Van, and I am a psychic medium mentor. Um, so, you know, don't get scared by those words, psychic <laughs> medium. Um, it just means that I have the extrasensory perception, that ESP, to really be able to hone in on my five senses and work that with my intuition. Um, so that is what I, um, that's what I mainly teach. I have a mentorship program on how to develop your intuition and how to develop your psychic abilities. And so I take people through the processes that they really need to know to enhance their intuition. And what I hope to get from this episode today is just to educate your audience as much as possible so that I can try to help them out. Um, if they have any questions on their intuition, I'm hoping to answer anything they might have. That's awesome. So let's start right at the beginning. What is intuition according to you? Like, how do you see it? Like, what is it? Do we all have it? Why do some people have more of it, apparently, seemingly, than others? Like, what are the basics of intuition that we need to understand to be able to go deeper into it, if that makes sense? Yeah, so intuition is really like that gut feeling that you have. It's um, it's more, it's not really a thought, it's a feeling. So it might be in your stomach or your gut, it might be in your heart, or you might just feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. So it's really 
like bypassing your rational mind or your mm-hmm. ego. It's really just mm-hmm. bypassing your mm-hmm. thoughts and just tuning into your body to see what the answer might be and where your intuition mm-hmm. is leading you. And I actually always describe it as the opposite. So how many times have you been like, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Um, that's That was your intuition talking to you and you unfortunately didn't listen to it. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Because your intuition always leads you to the right path. So it's always it always knows what's best for you. So it's almost like having this little mentor right inside of you to ask questions and get you to your right destination. But if you don't know how to listen to it or if you ignore it, then you know, you're not heeding its advice. Yeah. And I think that some people just you know, they might be more scientific, they might be more rational or logical. So they go off of their thoughts more Mm -hmm. than, you know, their feelings or their emotions. And so that's Mm -hmm. when someone might have a little bit of a harder time um, really tuning into their intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, And not saying that your thoughts are going to take you to the wrong place or, you know, thinking about something. But you know, if you want to live authentically, it's really a matter of what you feel in your body and let that lead you because your thoughts can change, you know, every minute. So you might ask yourself mm-hmm. a question right now and in five minutes get a different answer because you might start <laughs> overanalyzing it. So um, your intuition in your body is really telling you what you need um, more than a thought. That's that awesome. So this is a, a major theme that comes up on the podcast all the time. The idea that our thoughts and the ego or sense of identity that we build around those thoughts is often something that is totally unreal in the sense that it may have had some survival value or whatever in the past. But right now in the present moment, there's a very high chance that those thoughts are out of date and they're going to act as a filter between us and reality that is going to stop us seeing clearly and prevent us from moving forward in the way that we actually need to, to be real or authentic or whatever. And so the way that it often shows up in these conversations is that we need to get out of our head, into our bodies, and then we can basically just be in the present moment and make rash- like truly rational or truth-aligned decisions that are going to allow us to make better choices for our life and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like what you're saying is very similar to that. Like we need to understand that our thoughts are limited. We need to tap into the wisdom of our body. And then we're going to be able to kind of get these answers that were there all along, but which we may have been blocking out with our thoughts and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. One question I've got though is thoughts, like you said, they are like temporary. They keep changing. They from the past and all this kind of stuff. The body is in the present moment, but do you think there's a danger sometimes that if we just follow our feelings all the time, that can lead us into being inauthentic or unreal as well, if that makes sense? So I guess what I'm saying is like feelings are temporary as well. And the real stuff is, I often think, is is not temporary. It's, it's something that lasts. So is there something there? Like sometimes with the feelings, we can get a bit lost and confused as well, as well as the thoughts on I mean. Sure. I mean, I guess so. I, I really don't think so because when you're going, when you're living in that moment and your body is telling you what to do, like mm-hmm. I said, it's always going to take you to your right path. So as long as it's not 
like a fearful motive and your intuition is taking you somewhere, I really truly believe that that's going to take you to your right place. So, mm. and again, not saying that your thoughts won't either because the the way I'm talking about intuition, I know I'm saying the word feeling mm. or emotion, but mm. it's it's you know, whenever you think of feelings and emotions, you think of, you know, sad, angry, you know, like those type of feelings. But this is a feeling that's really coming from your inside, from your inner body. And it, it might not even be something that you are emotionally attached to right now. So I might be in a bad mood right now. Let's say I'm angry, mm-hmm. but then ask my intuition a question. It's not acting out of that anger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really your mm-hmm. intuition doesn't work out of emotion. Like yeah. if you're having feelings of like fear, anger, shame, guilt, resentment, bitterness, mm-hmm. that's not your intuition. Those yeah. are your like everyday feelings. So this is actually a different type of feeling. This is your body telling you something. So it's not those emotional type of feelings. Your intuition actually works out of no emotion. So when you feel an answer coming from a very calm centered place, that's how you know it's your intuition. It actually doesn't have an emotion attached to it. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of what I was getting at, I guess. So the way that I, I look at everything, right, is we're either moving towards wholeness, which is real, or we're holding back and hesitating because of fragmentation, which is unreal. It's the illusion that everything is separate, that we're disconnected from truth and all that kind of stuff. And I think that intuition is exactly what you just said. It's a connection to the whole. Like, ultimately, we can get out of the get out of our own way by clearing our thoughts out of the way clearing all those negative and to some extent positive emotions out of the way and getting into this kind of zero point, I guess, where we're just in the the present moment of wholeness itself. And I think there's something here around what you just said, like the language people use around feelings, it confuses people and it holds them back from tuning into this very real kind of intuition you're talking about, which is almost the absence of emotion. Because I think like emotion is it's just another form of fragmentation, like like our thoughts are. They're things that are temporary that filter our experience of reality in the moment or of wholeness in the moment and stop us from truly connecting to it. And so there's a lot of people out there, they're following their feelings in the sense of emotions, and it actually has a kind of backwards effect in the sense that it stops them from really tuning into their intuition, which is what they think they're doing by following their feelings. So is that something that you've, I don't know, seen with your clients or experience that their emotional stuff ends up being something that they're chasing instead of kind of dissolving with this kind of intuitive process you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why it's really important to realize that, you Mm. know, you need to become grounded and centered and really like you said, live in the moment, you know, become mindful Mm. of what you're feeling in the moment so that you can act on that. And so Mm. that's actually Mm. more rational than if you were to act (laughs) on an emotion or a feeling that you're having right now. So you really need to become a very balanced person to to listen to your intuition. Yeah. And I think there's another element as well where we have to balance, I guess, the left brain and the right brain or the conscious Mm -hmm. mind and the unconscious mind. Because another myth that I've seen when people are talking about this stuff is they basically just try and abolish the influence of the left brain from their lives completely. And then they become so open-minded that their brains fall out. So basically 
what I think we need. We need a combination of the two. Like we use our conscious mind to kind of direct us towards our vision for our lives and growing more real and moving towards wholeness and all that kind of stuff. But there's a kind of interplay between things coming up from the unconscious mind or from our intuition and then using the conscious mind or our conscious awareness to kind of refine and to respond to whatever that stuff is so that we can move off in the direction that we need to move off in. So is, is there something there as well? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, you know, I'm not telling people to completely turn off their ego <laughs> or their rational mind. You definitely yeah. still need yeah. that. But also, you know, like how you said, like, remember, it's trying to keep you quote, safe and secure. And it's trying to keep you in this comfort zone. So it doesn't want you to take risks. It doesn't want you to lean on your intuition. It wants to keep you in this safe place. It's, it's been in the driver's seat this whole time. So it wants to stay there. Um, But what I do tell people is recognize when, you know, maybe your, your feelings, again, your intuitive feeling doesn't Mm -hmm. match with it. And at that Mm -hmm. point, see Mm -hmm. your ego or your rational mind as, a good friend, but they're giving you bad advice. And yeah, so it's yeah. like, okay, I hear you, but I'm not listening to you today. Not, not <laughs> or so I'm not going to listen to you on this subject. <laughs> so it's still there. Um, you kind of have that as well, but you know, you don't always have to listen to it. And mm. you can just kind of quiet it down and say, you know what, today I'm going to listen to my intuition instead. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Like, I think the ego is, is unreal, but we kind of need it even though we need it just so that we can transcend it, if that makes sense. Like we have to keep pushing what we think we know about ourselves so that we can allow more of that intuitive stuff to surface. And then we can basically integrate the shadow self because I think a lot of the time our intuition is calling us back to the parts of ourselves that we've already disowned. So in your work, is there something around that, like the shadow stuff re-emerging and then we become more complete and then maybe we can go into the next level of getting intuition from something beyond the body, which I'm assuming is part of your work as a, a psychic and stuff, but there's a kind of process we have to go through. Yeah, so... Um, I have read that your intuition is like a little piece of your past lives that are still Mm. with you. So Mm. they could be reminding you like, hey, you've already gone through this. Let's not make that mistake again. And so that's how it leads you to your right path. Mm. I've also read that your spirit guide is also basically like your little mentor inside your intuition. So you know, your spirit guide was assigned to you at birth and they're here to help you on this earth. So I feel like you know, again, you want to listen to it because it's always going to lead you to that right destination. What, whether it's coming from a past life or a spirit guide or from your present moment, mm. um, as long as I said, like, there's not a fearful motive toward it, then you know that it's leading you to the right place. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really interesting in relation to, you know, the main theme of this podcast, which is that the creative process, whether it's the creative process of you know, creating a, a work of art or something, or even just creating ourselves and our lives. The creative process is ultimately about making the unconscious conscious. And so whatever creative impulses we get or goals that we feel like we have to chase in a very passionate way, whatever comes up from our in, in, intuitive side is basically the unconscious trying to be made conscious again. And I think 
like you just said, it doesn't matter if people think it's like an angel or like a spirit guide or whatever it is. It's all coming from the same place, which is the unconscious ultimately, right? And if we can go with that, with kind of trust and not letting the ego get in the way of allowing that natural unfolding towards wholeness to go where it needs to go, then we're going to feel good. We're going to flow with life instead of constantly stumbling over ourselves and all that kind of stuff. So I'm starting to ramble a bit. One thing that you said that's really interesting the last time we spoke is that you have a kind of process that you can take people through to help them to to do exactly what I just said, I suppose, which is to allow, to face their intuition, get answers from it, and then to act on it in a way that's real and aligned with who they really are when the unconscious is conscious. So can you do two things? One, can you basically let us know what you think about that, about the unconscious becoming conscious, and if it makes sense in the context of everything you've seen working with people? But also, can you talk us through your process a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the conscious with the unconscious totally makes sense, especially with creatives, because, Mm. you know, when you're creative, you are creating something out of nothing, right? So if you draw a picture or you write a song, I mean, that's something that was not there that now is. (laughs) And that really does come from your intuition because, you know, whether it's, yeah, like you said, the spirit guide or your past life or whatever it is that's giving you that creativity, if you didn't listen to your intuition, your, I mean, your mind isn't going to think of that. Like it doesn't come from the yeah. mind. It comes from this external source. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm. Um, I think a, a misconception is people hear the words, listen to your intuition and it's actually not listening. It's feeling. So um, mm. I'm going to, yeah, I'll go through that four step process right now. So to listen to your intuition, the first thing you need to do is ask it a question because If you don't get in the pattern of asking it a question, then you won't be able to hear or listen to its answers. Um, So yeah, first, like even if it's an everyday thing, when you wake up in the morning, you know, what do I need to learn for today? Or it could be something as simple as should I eat a burger or a salad for dinner later, (laughs) whatever it is, big or small, you know, you have to get into the habit of asking it a question. Then once you ask the question, you need to listen to it. And again, it's not actually listening, it's feeling. So you want to feel the answer, feel it in your gut, in your stomach, and it's actually instantaneous. So your rational mind starts working in five seconds. Mm -hmm. So you only have four seconds to listen to your intuition. And you, so as soon as your thoughts start coming in, you've already missed the intuition boat. So you have four seconds to feel the answer. That's how quickly it comes. Mm -hmm. And again, it's coming from a place of no emotion, no Mm -hmm. uh, fears. It's just coming from a very grounded place. And it's just Mm -hmm. something you feel without Mm -hmm. even knowing how you feel it. The next process is then, I'm sorry, the next step in the process is to trust it. Because again, it's always going to take you to that right place. So you need to trust that your intuition is going to take you to that right place. Mm. And then the last step is to act on it. Because if Mm. you don't act on it, you might as well not done any of the other three (laughs) steps. (laughs) And if you miss any of those steps, you're not actively developing your intuition. Mm. That's an amazing process because ultimately it's all encompassing. Like you're not just... With this process, we're not just waiting for intuition to like arise. So it's not a passive thing. You're taking control of the intuition while still trusting it 
to take you out of your comfort zone, if that makes sense. So let's break these down a little bit, if that's all right. So with the ask thing, it sounds like ultimately we can ask it anything. So the theme there ultimately, I guess, is that our intuition can play a role in our lives, whether it's a big thing or a small thing or anything in between. What are some common mistakes, I guess, that you've seen people make with the asking phase, if there are any? Um, so I can't really think if there are any mistakes that you can really make. I mean, of course, I would always say, because I'm a spiritual person, to meditate on it. So mm-hmm. um, you might want to do it in a meditative state, but you don't necessarily need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's you don't want to, I guess the mistake would be to ask it a really complex question, right? Like, mm-hmm. in, instead of saying like, should I move to a different location, which is a pretty easy one. It's, it, you know, if you start getting into details of like, should I move? When should I move? What house should I move wow. into? And you're asking like all of these things all yeah, at once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your intuition is going to get overwhelmed and you're probably not going to get the answer that you want or it's not even going to be able to answer you. So, you know, you want to make it a pretty specific question. You don't want it to be like this huge, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, overwhelming question. So that would probably be the biggest one that I can think of. Yeah, that makes so much sense because if you think about it, the ego loves complexity. And so if you add all of these extra levels to the question, like, you know, what kind of a house should it be? And should it have a thatched roof or should it be an apartment? Whatever it is, that is ultimately an example of the ego trying to control the answer that it's going to get, maybe. And so Mm -hmm. that makes, it just makes so much sense. Like if you keep it simple, you're removing the chances of the ego kind of intercepting without you realizing and affecting the answer that you're going to get or just preventing the answer from popping up in any way, shape or form. So the other thing that you said then about the, the asking stage, I guess, or sorry, the, list, the listening slash feeling stage is that you have to basically get the answer within four seconds. That's really, really interesting because again, I think if you wait longer than that, the ego is going to get involved and it's going to kind of distort your ability to receive, I guess, or listen to the intuition in the first place. So what do you think is going on there? Like if you could break that down, why are that four seconds so important? Yeah. And actually I just want to go back to the first part too. And um, I do recommend, like I said, doing it in the morning, because Uh, if you were thinking of the question all day that you're going to ask your intuition, your mind's going to get involved. So at least in the morning, you know, maybe you thought of the question the night before, I don't know, but you really want to do it Mm. instantaneously. Like Mm. you don't want to be thinking about it and then be asking it. So in the morning you're kind of (laughs) groggy, you know, so you don't know like what your mind is going to think about it yet. So that's why I just wanted to reiterate that the morning is a really good time. Yeah, that's great advice. It reminds me of that, um, you know, the morning pages thing. No. So morning page, it's like, basically, it's it's like a creative journaling exercise. But the Mm -hmm. idea is you just wake up in the morning. And first thing, you just like write three or four pages, like stream of consciousness, whatever comes out. But the reason they say to do it in the morning is because you know you're still kind of in a dreamy sleepy state Mm -hmm. and so your conscious mind is going to put less barriers between you and whatever you write and you'll just see what you actually think and it's the same kind of thing i think with what you said so that that's just awesome it makes sense um so back to the four seconds then why do we have to act quick yeah yeah 
you have to act quick because as soon as your mind gets involved, like mm. you're just going to, like you said, control the answer. And that's not what you want to do. That's not getting us to the right place. So yeah. that four seconds, your intuition is just, it gets you to self-trust, right? So it, mm. you need to trust yourself and mm. to yeah. trust your body, to trust your intuition. It really is an instantaneous, very quick uh, answer. And like I said, if you go on to that fifth second, your mind is going to start having fears. It's going to yeah. start thinking of limiting beliefs. It's going to say, there's, mm-hmm. there's no way that your intuition knows what it's talking about. Listen to me instead. Yeah. So yeah, it's really important to just whatever you feel. And that's why you're acting on that feeling of very balanced, very grounded, centered place mm-hmm. um, to give you that answer so that your mind isn't going to start giving you like, you can't do this, makes you doubt yourself. That's what we don't want. Yeah. Like I've actually seen how effective this is in my own life. Like sometimes if I if I feel like I want to do something, but I kind of feel like I don't want to do it, I do this thing where I, I say, right, I'm going to count down in my head from three and then I'm just going to do it. I don't know where I got this technique from. I can't remember. Like I heard it years and years ago, but it really works. So in my head, I just go three, two, one, and then I get up and I do it. And that's it. But if I, if I don't get up, once I've got to one, then like whatever it is probably won't happen. And it's the same principle. Like I think there's something about the way human beings are just wired where it's exactly what you said. Like if we don't act in the moment when the impulse arrives or the intuitive prompt, then we'll just start talking ourselves out of it and go back to the old habits and patterns and routines that come with the ego stuff. And so it's just a great way to circumvent all of that old conditioning, basically. So... Okay. So, so far this technique, these techniques, this process that you're sharing is like super useful. Now we're getting onto like the third step, which is one of my favorite words and something that just pops up in every single episode, it seems of this podcast, which is trust. And I'm so happy you've used that word because you can't really follow your intuition or any creative impulse or anything that's going to lead you to deeper truth and wholeness without trust. Because when you're on that path, you have to step away from the ego. And the ego ultimately is the thing that stops you from trusting life. And it's fragmented. It's not whole, all the stuff I was saying. And so without trust, you're never, ever going to get where you want to be. So can you just crack this open a little bit and tell us, I suppose, what what have you learned about trust by walking people through this process and kind of implementing it in your own life? Yeah, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, I was just going to say, that's a massive question. So sorry, like if it's too, too broad. But yeah, it sounds like you were going to run with it anyway. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, your ego is just full of fears and it doesn't want you to take risks. So if you listen to your ego, you you will never get out of your comfort zone and your life will just be very mundane. It will never get you to try new things, whether it's food or experiences or relationships or whatever it might be. So it just wants you to you know, kind of stay in your comfort zone and never leave it. But when you can trust yourself, your whole life can change. I mean, when you don't have self doubt, and you can just trust yourself, it just like is a whole new way of living. And you almost have like a reality shift whenever you start listening to your intuition, because your mind has taken you this far. Mm. And your rational mind is, you know, keeping you safe. But then when you go on to trusting your intuition, and you're living really in a new way. You're now listening to your 
to your mind, or I'm sorry, to your body, to your heart Mm -hmm. and what you really want in life. And it really kind of like shifts your reality into thinking like, Mm -hmm. I trusted my mind this whole time and now (laughs) I'm trusting this other thing. Um, And then you'll start to see that it is leading to your right destination. So you do kind of have a, a time period of, what is going on? Like, what is true here? If I listened to my mind this whole time and now I'm noticing that my feeling is actually like the one I should be trusting. Yeah. But yeah, when you can um, trust yourself, like so much changes, you just believe that you can do things. You're, you're not as fearful to take those risks. Mm-hmm. You realize even that like challenges that come into your life, you start to change your perspective instead of like, why is this happening to me? Like your ego would say, you know, you can change that. to what is this teaching me? What am I going to learn from this? What, mm. what is, what can I learn so that I don't make this mistake again? And then you also can look at your past and be like, you know what? I've gone through difficult situations before. I trusted myself. I have that strength and it can get you through anything that comes up in the future. So you really start to feel like, Mm. yeah, more confident and that can really help you grow in so many different ways in your life. Yeah. So one thing that I've found around the trust thing is ultimately you have no choice. Like this is the thing with trust. Like when you look at life that you can't explain why necessarily, but when you boil it down to the basics, the only thing you can do is trust in yourself and in life. That's how I see it, right? And you can only do that by letting go of the ego stuff. The ego really and our need to cling to it and hold on to it is a lack of trust. And ironically, even though we think the ego is going to keep us safe and help us to survive and blah, 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 When we attach to it in that way, with this lack of trust, we end up being exactly like you said, we won't take risks, we're in our comfort zone, we try and force life in order to maintain the illusion of the ego. And when we let go of it, if we can, everything shifts. So instead of trying to control things, we can flow with life. Instead of having a lack of confidence, we paradoxically have more confidence because we realize that we're not just our ideas of ourselves. We're an experience of life itself, which is, it goes back to what you were saying about this kind of zero point where we're tuned into our intuition and we just feel completely whole and completely connected. But the reason I say we have no choice is because you can't really talk yourself into trusting. Do you know what I mean? If you try and talk yourself into it, that ends up being ego. And so something needs to happen in our lives where we kind of just wake up to the fact that this is this is just how it is. All I can do now is trust, get out of my head, know that I want to move in a certain direction and take the steps as they appear. So I guess my question for you is like, if somebody hasn't reached that stage yet, like if they are lacking confidence, they're scared to take risks, they're, you know, in an ego, tell, you know, with self-pity and all those kind of things that come with it. How do we get to that point where we realize, okay, I'm, I just have to trust. I, I don't know if that's a weird question, but like we have to trust ourselves to be able to handle whatever happens by taking risks and stepping beyond the ego, blah, blah, blah. But also we have to trust life to take us where we need to go. And when we can get there and do trust in that way, 
and you know we make the unconscious conscious and we connect life to life on a deeper level that's when things work out and like in my life that's that's exactly how it's played out like when i was in a more egotistical place i was trying to force everything and i was just taking action for the sake of it instead of doing this work you're talking about like the inner work of seeing what i really want and learning to transcend my ideas about myself when i was forcing life like that nothing ever worked out because it was all my assumptions based on my limited understanding but when i was able to let go and to trust things just got better and better and better so two things there that was a ramble again sorry like one if we can't trust but we know that we kind of need to start doing so how do we do it and then two Along, along with trusting ourselves, which is really important, what else do we put our trust in, if anything? Sure. So I think the first question you had there is the answer to me would be to practice. So just like mm-hmm. anything else, mm-hmm. to listen to your intuition and to do that four-step process, mm-hmm. the more you do it, the more confidence you'll get because you'll start to see this pattern of mm-hmm. – you know, maybe you did say, should I have a burger or a salad later? And it, your intuition said salad and you listen to it and you have that salad. You know, maybe you start to get more energy. Maybe mm. you lose a couple of pounds, yeah. you know, so you'll start to see the difference in your life. And when you can look back at, I asked it this question, I did that four-step process and this is the outcome. Yeah. The more that that happens and the, the better the pattern gets, mm. you'll start to realize, okay, this is working. I'm going to trust my intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Oppositely, you could make a list so you could practice it and write down the outcome. And then you could also look back when you listen to your ego Mm -hmm. and start to see a pattern of maybe it didn't work out Mm -hmm. so that you can start to compare. Okay, I listened to my intuition and it got me to this amazing place. But when I listened to my ego in the past, this is where it got me. And this was not an amazing place. You can actually do it in two different ways, practice and then also make like a two sided list and see which is getting you to the better place, you know? So that's like a really good way to do it. That's awesome. And like the way that you described it is such a a good way to do it because if somebody is in those earlier stages where they're struggling to trust life and struggling to trust themselves, it kind of takes a leap of faith to just say, oh, I'm actually, I'm just gonna try it. I'm gonna practice, I'm gonna experiment. But when they do, because that, trusting way of living is more aligned with reality they'll start getting results and they'll start getting evidence and when they get the kind of evidence that you're talking about that it works it's not about faith anymore it's about actual trust because i think trust you have to have evidence to be able to trust life and so what you just said is a great way to do that like if you experiment then there's no pressure to try and force things so that they you know work because of anything we're doing but then when you start getting the evidence, you can start building momentum and it'll just work out. So that helps us to trust ourselves, I guess. Is there a, a deeper level, do you think, like where when you start trusting life, it's almost like life trusts you more as well, if that makes sense. So for example, I found like the more I trust, like I'll get more like synchronicities and weird little experiences or things will just, things just happen in the right way. And, you know, you could use your rational left brain to say, well, because I'm trusting, then obviously I'm just more responsive to these good opportunities that are out there, whatever it is. But there does seem to be a kind of deeper level where I suppose we're getting into the realm of the collective unconscious or something like that. Like there's a there's an interplay between me and life 
that can only exist when I'm trusting life, if that makes sense. And if I don't trust and I'm not listening to my intuition and all that stuff, then that whole sense of interplay is just cut off because I'm in the ego state. I'm seeing myself as being independent and separate from everything. But when I'm open to trusting that I am part of the whole and part of everything else, then it responds to me better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that kind of boils down to the law of attraction. So if you're putting that trust out there, you're going to get trust in return. Just like if you put Mm -hmm. like negative attitude out there, then you're going to receive negative attitude. So Mm -hmm. it really is this like mirror of reflection. So whatever you're going to put out, you're going to get back at you. And that's basically how the collective consciousness works. Um, And then also because we're all working toward a goal, when you're working towards something and you can feel that connection to other people, people that also you know helps your trust level as well um i do think that the other thing is shoot i lost my train of thought (laughs) (laughs) law of attraction and i'm sorry can you edit this part (laughs) no (laughs) okay (laughs) there was another part i was going with that but i completely it's all right it'll it'll come back to you like don't worry yes this happened so just oh you got it okay brilliant. yes so um The other part of it with the trust is to realize that the universe is abundant. So if you're thinking in terms of lack of, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, you're comparing yourself with other people and you feel like they have more than you. When you look at lack, you're going to receive lack. So you're Mm -hmm. not going to get everything that you need in life. But Mm -hmm. if you can see the universe and um, the divine as something that's very abundant and you're putting that out there, you're going to get abundance in return, which Mm -hmm. then continues that process of trust. Yeah. That is so true. Like the ego ultimately is the illusion of separation and disconnection. And when you're coming from that place and filtering everything through it, that's when you end up with a scarcity mindset. But when you have tasted that zero state that you were talking about, where you're totally grounded, you're in a grounded place, you're connected to wholeness, you realize ultimately that the truth is abundant with all Anything that's real, basically. Anything real is abundant because it's, it's going to last. So we're talking about opportunities, love, blah, 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 all of these things that are just never going to expire. And so because we, we ta- we've tasted that place within ourselves, we can put that out into the world. And then with this boomerang effect that you were talking about, where what you put out there comes back to you, we are more likely to receive abundance and all this kind of stuff. So... This is kind of a good segue into the last stage of your four-step process, which is to act. So the question I guess I have around action is, again, it always comes back to the same thing. We're either acting from an ego-driven place or from something that's more real. And I think when we're acting from this ego-driven place, that's when we just end up taking action for the sake of it, Or we take action to try and fill some kind of a void within ourselves that is there because because we haven't been listening to our intuition, basically, and we haven't tasted that grounded feeling of wholeness. And so when we're acting from a disconnection to that, that's when we just chase things that we don't even really want. Like we chase material goods for the sake of it. We chase empty relationships. We, we, We can chase anything, basically, because we give it... Um, meaning it doesn't have because we're trying to use it as a substitute for that feeling that's inside us 
that we're currently disconnected from, if that makes sense. But when we have done this work that you're talking about, the inner work, uh, which for me goes awareness, acceptance, and then action. For you, it's going ask, feel, trust, and then act. It's the same thing, ultimately. You dive inside yourself, you see what's there, and then you can take action that's actually going to get you somewhere. So the question is, sorry, another ramble. I told you I had too much coffee before we started talking. But anyway, what is the difference between, I guess, acting from this ego-driven place where we're acting without listening to our intuition versus listening to the intuition and then acting, if that if that's a good way to take it? Yeah, so an example of acting on your um, ego would be like, you know, society tells me that I need to mar- get married and have children. So that's what you do, even though maybe authentically you really don't want to get married and have yeah. children. Yeah. But you're listening to what society has said mm-hmm. to do and what is considered to be safe and the right path that you're supposed to be taking. Yeah. But if you listen to your intuition, you know, and like me, like I don't have children and everyone in my family does. And they're always like, <laughs> why aren't you having kids? And I'm like, because I know deep down that I don't want them. So yeah. it's like, if I were to have them, I would be living my life for someone else. And, you know, mm. that's when anxiety and depression can mm. come on board. And you don't want those type of feelings. You want to live authentically mm. to be happier, to have more pleasure in life. So mm. you really have to do what you want because this this life is for you. It's not for someone else. Mm. And so when you can live authentically for yourself, it's just such a better way to live. And <laughs> Yeah, it just like makes you so much happier. You don't want to be living, you know, they have their journey and you have your journey and you have to live the way you want to. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's an element where sometimes we think we want something, but as we start moving towards it, we realize that we only wanted it because we were out of touch with ourselves, because we were trying to hide from ourselves. If that makes sense. So a lot of basically what I'm saying is a lot of the time when I'm coaching people, I find like at the start of the journey, the coaching relationship, they think they want something because it's going to solve all of the problems in their life, basically. But the only reason they have 90% of the problems that they think they have is because at that point in the journey, they're, they're disconnected from this real feeling you keep talking about, right? The groundedness that we all need to feel real. And so before they have that feeling, they end up setting all of these big goals and things like that, that they're not really interesting, but it's exactly what you said. Those specific goals, whatever they might be, they think are going to give them some kind of status or some kind of social bullshit thing that makes is going to make them feel like they finally made it. They finally fit in. And sometimes, I guess, you you meet people at the start of a coaching relationship. They've already got all that stuff because they've been living like that. But then they realize how empty it is because the only thing that can fill us is this real feeling of intuition that you're talking about. And when we do get that, all of those unreal goals kind of fade away. And we just end up being led by life, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, this is the, the trust thing again. But ultimately, like, this is how it's been in my life as well, right? Like, I thought I wanted certain things. And part of it was the social conditioning. Like, definitely, the world is not reality. That's what I'm always saying. And we internalize it, and it dictates our goals for us and all that stuff. But then we also hypnotize ourselves 
with an unreal path of action because we're disconnected from who we are. And so when we taste our intuition truly, a lot of our goals kind of fade away and we just, I don't know, we find what we're really supposed to do, like our real purpose or something like that. And I think when we get to that stage, the action is is inspired action, basically, not just acting for the sake of itself. Like, is there something there that you've experienced or that you've seen with your clients as well? Yeah, it's that same thing, that ego that wants them to have that status and they think that that's what's going to make them happy or they're comparing themselves with others and think, oh, if I had what they had, I'll be happier. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if if you're totally disconnected, you're never going to find happiness. So you really need to look inward. I think those people are looking externally to to find what they, what they want. And they're going to find out that that's not what they want. You really need to go on an internal journey, you know, find out what you really want in life and go after those dreams, not what you think will make you happy, but we'll know because you go on that internal journey. So yeah, I think that's really looking at external um, gratification Mm -hmm. versus internal. Yeah. I think what I'm asking you as well, when I think about it is when people go through your process, so ask, listen, slash feel, trust, and then act, do you think sometimes people, they find goals by going through that process that kind of scare them or kind of shock them or, you know, are just totally surprising? Like I found a few times when coaching people, like they go through the process and then something just becomes obvious that they should have been acting on because it's real, not because society says they should. And because their ego has basically been trying to explain it away, it's kind of surprising and the act, acting on it is kind of scary, even though they know it's real. And I suppose it goes back to what we're saying about the shadow self. Like for whatever reason, a lot of people have goals that are hidden in the shadows or in, in our intuition, whatever. And they're always there, but we're just masking them or hiding them behind the ego. And when all the ego stuff gets stripped away, they just realize that they have no choice but to do certain things. I don't know if I'm being too vague, but but does that make does that like resonate with what you've seen? Or? Yeah. Um sometimes people actually will get anxiety from it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just asked my intuition something. I was not expecting this answer. <laughs> and they just completely get shocked or surprised. Um, and so for those people, I always give them like breathwork techniques to yeah. calm them down. Yeah. I tell them, you know, ask it again, you know, make sure it's not your anxiety, make sure it's definitely not your ego getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that that shock mm. also becomes an aha moment. It's yeah. that moment of, you know what, I didn't think I could do this, but my intuition's telling me and really the breakthrough, right? I'm going to mm. do this. I'm going to believe in it. I'm going to trust myself and do it. And then this is how people's lives change yeah. and for the better. So yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like it's a good thing if that happens because, yeah. you know, you are truly stepping out of the ego if you have that experience. Yeah, I think that's the best thing that can happen, actually. Like, ultimately, I think what I've learned from this conversation, like your intuition, if you follow it in a in a structured way, like you're kind of, like you are talking about, then it's going to return you back to the the real path that you would have been on if the world didn't creep in anyway and kind of distract you from what you were supposed to be doing. And so, you know, when people have these experiences we're talking about where something pops up and it kind of scares them a little bit, it scares them because it's a threat to the ego 
and the old way of being. But if they can trust and they can act on it, then life will be much more real, much more authentic, and they're going to feel amazing because reality is, I think, the only thing we need to feel really good. So that's been awesome. Uh, we've been talking a while. How would you sum all this up? Like, if you had any final words of wisdom, like, what would they be? And also, can you let people know, you know, where they can find you and take your courses and all that kind of thing? Yeah, the biggest thing I can tell someone is to step outside of their fear. The fear mm-hmm. is going to be the thing that gets in the way because mm-hmm. you, like I said, you're you're having a new reality. You, you aren't trusting yourself this whole time. So, yeah. you know, just try to get out of that fear because once you can – get through it. It's so much brighter on the other side. You just have to Mm. face it, like see it as a storm. And on the other side is going to be the sunshine. And so just face Mm. that storm Mm. and you're, you're going to come out better on the other side. Wow. Um, so how people can reach me is they can go to my website. It's just brandyvan.com. That's Brandy with an I. And I know it's a little off topic, but I do have a free PDF. Um, people don't realize that they are having psychic experiences. They might think they're just having like everyday human ones. Um, and so I have a PDF that can show them that we all have psychic abilities. And one of those abilities is, of course, an intuitive. So mm. they can find out right on that PDF if they are naturally intuitive and this is the way they should be living life anyway, if they are naturally like that. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and my handle is Brandy Van Medium. That's awesome. So I'll share all those links in the show notes, but Brandy, thank you so much for this. It's been uh, really stimulating and interesting and I just appreciate your time and energy. So thanks again. It's been good. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.